Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, listeners. How are you today? I hope you're doing well. Here's a brand new episode of the podcast for you. Several things before we start. First of all, the voting is now over in the Wispolep competition. Yes, the voting closed on Sunday the 6th of December at midnight. That was last night, in fact. I'll be announcing the results of the competition in an episode of the podcast soon, so stay tuned for that. Premium Lepsters, hello. I just want to let you know that I've uploaded several premium episodes covering language from my conversation with Lucy in the last episode. I went through the conversation again and picked out over 50 words and phrases that you might have missed or that I think are worth highlighting. And then I presented them to you with explanations, examples, a memory test and pronunciation drills. So that's Premium 28 Parts 1 and 2. And it's in the Premium section now in the Luke's English Podcast app and on the website. Also, Premium Series 27 is underway and I recently uploaded Parts 1 and 2 of that to the Premium section too. They contain some grammar and vocabulary language tips and practice with pronunciation drills too. Parts three to eight of that series will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. If you'd like to know more about Luke's English Podcast Premium, including how to get the episodes and how they can really help your English in various ways, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So welcome everybody. In this episode, I'm returning once again to the topic of the UK's royal family. This time I'm talking to my lovely wife about the royals because we've recently been watching season four of The Crown. And so royal stuff is definitely on our minds at the moment. Just in case you don't know, The Crown is a Netflix TV series about the British royal family. I expect that many of you will be aware of it too, and maybe you've also been binge-watching season four recently, like us. Here's an episode all about it. So my wife, who is French, is particularly fascinated by the bizarre lives of my country's monarchs, and we often talk about the show and the real events it's based on. So we thought it might be interesting to share some of our thoughts with you in an episode of the podcast. If you haven't seen The Crown yet, and you're worried about spoilers in this conversation, I don't really think it's possible to spoil this show, as it's all based on real events which most people know about. In fact, listening to this before you watch the show could even help you understand it and enjoy it more. Also, if you have absolutely no plans to watch The Crown, or if you're just unable to watch it because you don't have a Netflix subscription or you, you're not going to buy the DVDs when they're released, then I think that you can still, you know, 
enjoy listening to this because it's not just about a TV show. It's about the royal family. And um, so it's not, you know, I think it, I think it's something that everyone knows about. It's a subject that you should be able to understand and follow and find relevant. Um, so it's not just for people watching the show. Um, I know what some of you will be thinking. You'll be thinking, Luke, do you recommend The Crown as a good show for learning English? Well, yes, I would say so. I think so. I think it's a good idea to watch The Crown. If you're looking for TV series on Netflix to help with your English, then The Crown would be a good show to watch, generally speaking, as long as you genuinely enjoy it. And because obviously, if you enjoy it, that helps, doesn't it? Because that's going to mean that you'll take pleasure from it. You'll want to watch it and all those things, motivation and so on. So as long as you genuinely enjoy it, and I think that most people agree that The Crown is good and that it's interesting, high drama, it's beautiful to look at, uh, there are great actors, it's an interesting topic. So I think that most people should enjoy it. Um, Also, you should watch it, but also be aware that the characters speak in a very posh accent, which is not how most people speak. Obviously, it's the royal family, and they are the poshest people in the world, and they speak in a posh accent too. Um, It's not massively different to, let's say, normal English or maybe just standard RP. It's not that different. But you should be aware that they do sound very posh, and they have a posh accent. It's important to hear a wide variety of accents in English, because this is the nature of the language that you're learning. It's a diverse language, and you need to take that into account when learning it. You should be able to understand the various accents and hopefully be able to identify them to some extent anyway. So while you're watching The Crown, if you watch it, you do need to think to yourself, I am listening to posh English here. Okay? But anyway, overall, yes, I think it's a good show to watch and can definitely be useful for your English. To get more specific tips about how to use my TV shows, my TV shows? They're not your TV shows, Luke. That I didn't mean to say it like that. To get more specific tips about how to use TV shows like this to improve your English, then you can listen to episode 660 of my podcast, which is all about using TV shows and films to improve your English. Episode 660. So, The Crown is currently in its fourth season, which deals with the period in which Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister, and when Prince Charles married Lady Diana Spencer, later to be known as Princess Diana. So, this is the late 70s, the 80s, and the early 90s. In this conversation, you'll hear my wife and me talking in the usual rambling fashion about things like this. So, what we think of the show, including descriptions of how it looks, and the production in general, the performances by some of the actors, accents you can hear in the show, especially the high RP, which is spoken by the Queen and other royals, as I mentioned earlier, what the show makes us think about specific members of the family, their stories, their relationships with each other, and how they are represented in the show, what the show makes us think about the institution of the monarchy itself, including some of the pros and cons of having a royal family for the country as a whole, but also for the individual members of the family itself who enjoy the luxuries of their privilege, but who are also bound by the duties that they have to the crown. 
We also assess the reign of Elizabeth II and talk about Operation London Bridge is Down, which is the code name that refers to the official plan for what will happen in the days after the death of Queen Elizabeth II when that inevitably happens. It's actually quite extraordinary and makes you realise how significant the Queen is to the nation. We also end up talking about the recent scandal involving Prince Andrew, who is one of the Queen's four children. He's the third one, in fact. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it was big news in the UK, and it it kind of still is. It's actually a disturbing and shocking story, but it's also fascinating. So I'm referring to Prince Andrew's association with Jeffrey Epstein, who was convicted of the trafficking and prostitution of underage girls. Epstein died in prison in pretty suspicious circumstances. You probably know about it. The official story is that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. But plenty of people believe that he was killed in order to prevent the truth from coming out. That was Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, Prince Andrew was allegedly one of Epstein's friends or associates, let's say. And in fact, one girl in particular, who was a victim of Epstein's, has made claims against Andrew specifically. In response to those claims, Andrew chose to conduct an interview with the BBC in 2018, I think. In the interview, he wanted to deny all the claims against him. But the interview didn't go very well, and it was a bit of a PR disaster for Andrew. PR meaning public relations. It was really bad for his reputation. In fact, I think that the FBI want to talk to Andrew. There's there's a suggestion of possible prosecution if he ever goes back to the United States. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with it, but it's a big scandal. And, I, and the, the BBC interview was sort of fascinating and horrifying and weird and just bizarre. And I find it absolutely fascinating as well as disturbing. And I've been wondering for ages whether I should discuss it on the podcast. But anyway, keep listening to find out more about this whole story. So before we start properly, and we are going to start the conversation in just a moment, but before we do that, I think it will really help if I remind you of the basic family tree in the royal family. If I just name the royals again and just clarify their positions in the family, that will help you understand this conversation uh, more easily. So there's the Queen, of course, Queen Elizabeth II. She, um, she's been Queen since her father, King George VI, died in 1952. And so, yes, she's been the Queen since 1952. And that's the longest reign of a UK monarch in history. Her husband is known as Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. In season four of the show, the Queen is played by Olivia Coleman. And Philip is played by Tobias Menzies. The Queen's mother was also called Elizabeth, but she was commonly known as the Queen Mother. She died in 2002. The Queen had a sister called Margaret, known as Princess Margaret, played in the show by Helena Bonham Carter. Princess Margaret also died in 2002, less than two months before the Queen Mother, in fact. So, okay, the Queen her sister, Princess Margaret, and the Queen Mother, they all feature in the show and in this conversation. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip had four children. Uh, 
The oldest is Charles, the Prince of Wales, and the heir to the throne. He's the next in line to the throne. Charles married Lady Diana Spencer in 1981, and she became Princess Diana, of course. They had two children. The first is William, now the Duke of Cambridge, and married to Kate Middleton, who is now the Duchess of Cambridge. They have three children. The oldest is George, and he is third in line to the throne after Charles and William. Charles and Diana's second child is Harry, who is now married to Meghan Markle. Harry and Meghan are, to some extent, cut off from the royal family as they chose to leave their public duties fairly recently, and they were quite heavily criticised for that. William, Kate, Harry and Meghan and their kids don't actually feature in the show, but they do come up in this conversation. Charles and Diana's marriage ended in divorce in 1992. Diana, of course, died tragically in a car crash in Paris in 1997. Charles later married Camilla Parker Bowles, who he'd actually been romantically involved with since before he even met and later married Diana. So Camilla Parker Bowles is his kind of long-term romantic interest, let's say. Um, His lover, the one that he really loved. Uh, He's now actually married to her. Charles and Camilla are now known as the Duke and Duchess of Cornwall. Okay. The Queen's other children are Princess Anne, Prince Andrew and Prince Edward. So that's probably enough information about the family tree there, but I decided it was probably a good idea to remind you of their names and their positions in the family, just so you definitely know who we are talking about. Anyway, I won't go on much longer here in the introduction, I promise, except to say that my wife enjoys being on the podcast from time to time, and she loves talking about this topic, but she's a little bit self-conscious about speaking English in front of my entire audience like this. But I've assured her that my audience are all lovely and non-judgmental and that she has nothing to worry about. So, listeners, don't let me down, okay? Right then, I hope that you can now enjoy sharing some time with us in our living room, having quite a long and rambling conversation about the crown and all things royal. And here we go. Because if I do speak like that, it's weird. Because I feel like yeah. I'm more into it. Yeah, exactly. You, know? you feel like you're on the radio. Exactly. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm on a podcast, maybe. Yeah. It's odd. Isn't it? <laughs> it's a good that you feel like you're on a podcast. You're not fed up with my humor after 10 years. No, I'm just slowly in- starting to get it. Actually, my humor improving, right? You're learning fr- from the master. Yeah, well, takes one to know one. No, no, still not. Still okay. can't. Still not getting that right. It takes well. No, no, that is right. It takes one. One what? Master. A master. Yes. Yeah, so you got it right. Yay! <laughs> Ten eleven years. years. Eleven years. Eleven. <gasps> Imagine eleven years. Yeah. In two months, it could be eleven. Yeah. Wow. Woo-hoo. Wow. Wow. Okay. Wow, wow, so here we are wow, wow, in the cozy confines of our living room. What? Uh, it started. Yeah, we've started now. People are going to hear that? Oh, I don't know. It depends. Uh, because usually you say hi. See, now <laughs> I'm going to keep it in because there's you going, oh, people are going to hear that. And if they 
if I don't include it, then they'll everyone will be like, what? What's she talking about? Starts well. <laughs> you always say that at the beginning of every conversation we have on this podcast. Oh, starts well. <laughs> so here we are in the cozy confines of our living room. Mm-hmm. The little one is in bed. Mm-hmm. Do you think she's asleep? Hope so. Or is she listening in on this? Uh, maybe. I think she's asleep. Normally, there's a there's a, a period of silence mm. which suggests that she's gone to sleep. No, I think it's she, quite late. I think she's asleep. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes difficult to get her to go to sleep, isn't it? These days, we're we're, we're talking in slightly hushed tones. <laughs> Do I have to speak louder? It's probably better just so that okay. your voice comes through, but it's naturally we're going to speak in slightly hushed tones. Okay. But if I keep the volume levels up, then it should still capture okay. our voices. Okay. But it's like we're on a late night radio talk show, <laughs> isn't it? Saturday night uh, podcast. Exactly. The, Saturday, the late night Saturday night discussion show on Luke's English podcast. Uh, welcome back onto the podcast, my wife. Thank you for having me. <laughs> strange where thank you for having me isn't it what you say you got, you, you got abducted by aliens there for a second thank you for having me it is it is it, it is pleasant to share the company of a human um okay so right so what's been going why why are we going to talk together tonight i mean normally we don't talk to each other <laughs> yeah exactly um, just once in a while no i mean on the podcast i mean why um what's the plan you tell us okay well we've been watching the crown on netflix it's one of the things that we watch in fact it's you know you watch a lot of stuff normally you watch your stuff and i watch stuff and then there are some shows that we watch together Mm -hmm. and the crown is one of those shows and we're yeah we're like we agree (laughs) that's watchable for both of us at the same time i think so so we are nearly at the end of, is it season four? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You've finished it, but I've got one episode to go because for some I reason. Cheated. You cheated. You mm. watched an episode without me. Again, we watch it. Yes. That's the plan. So the, the idea is to talk about The Crown. It's not as if there was a big uh, suspense. Suspense? N- suspense. Suspense. Yeah. We basically, <laughs> we know what's going to happen. It's, it's based on true <laughs> things. <laughs> no spoilers possible. Exactly. <laughs> Although I guess people listening to this might not know mm. all of the events that happened in the history of the royal family. The royal family. There's only mm. one. Yeah, true. Um, well, when we say the queen, everyone knows it's the queen of... Yeah, I'm really amazed by that. Yeah. I mean, when we say the queen, there is only one, despite that the world having other queens. Mm-hmm. So she she has such a big imprint. Imprint, Yeah. That's true. On, in people's heads. Mm. Yeah, that's right. You are, as a French person, as a French national, uh, you are a Republican, aren't you? Yes. Yes. So, um, and We yet, chopped off heads. You chopped off heads. <laughs> the heads of your royal family. Um, well, we could go into that, but um, I mean, uh, is the crown popular in France? Yeah, I think it is. Mm. I actually haven't talked about it with my friends, but I think it is. Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's, it's amazing. It's huge in France. In, yeah. I mean, it's huge. In, I think in, worldwide. In the yeah. States as well. Mm. But my point is that in places that are officially republics, mm. uh, somehow the royal family or the story of the royal family still holds uh, people's attention. Uh-huh. Um, what, what's the appeal? I don't know. I think I'm a bit, I never know how to pronounce this, but biased. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Because um, I'm totally obsessed. <laughs> Why? What's so great about it? Well, I think it's because of you. Maybe I wouldn't be that into it because I find it strange, mm. the whole thing. And I find it fascinating and very interesting, like politically. Um, and maybe we'll talk about it, that the fact they can't vote, they can't um, discuss about politics, even if there's a head, you know, the queen is a head of state. Yeah. And the head of Commonwealth. So, if anything, it's political. But she's not political. Yeah, she can't be. So, that's very fascinating. I guess that's because we did... Um, we had our own little revolution mm. back in the 17th century. and A discreet one. Uh, well, I don't know <laughs> if it was discreet. It wasn't discreet at all. There was a lot of bloodshed, lots of fighting, and it was not discreet at all. Oliver Cromwell... And so on. Basically, yes, Charles I, uh, there was a, uh, a civil war. Um, and um, anyway, the parliamentarians versus the monarchists and uh, King Charles I, his head was chopped off. And uh, we had a kind of republic. Um, it was the English Commonwealth, it was called. And uh, Cromwell was the de facto leader. And he wasn't very fun at all. And lots of Catholics got killed, I understand. I hope I'm not mixing up my history. <laughs> Maybe you can call your parents. <laughs> yeah, I probably should. Anyway, uh, we did have a revolution. We did chop the head off our monarch and then reinstated um, the monarchy again afterwards, but with certain conditions. Mm -hmm. And the conditions were, look, uh, the par parliament will, will handle the executive power stuff. And the figurehead can be just that, a figurehead, the head of state. But if... Uh, the you know the the monarch attempts to actually use their symbolic power, then watch out, Ooh, heads <laughs> might roll again. Just remember that. So I, I guess um, one of the reasons why our royal family has managed to continue is that they don't get involved in politics. They don't actually mm. have any opinions mm. of any kind at all. And they can't even vote. They can't even vote. Yeah. Yeah. Which is strange, isn't it? Mm, it is. So, because this is a right, and they're deprived from this right. It's a human right. Yeah. So that's interesting. This, this for me, is an interesting point about the crown, going back to the TV show, that one of the things that this reveals about um, the whole system is that potentially it's quite cruel for the members of the royal family itself. Like they, First of all, they don't have certain human rights, like they can't vote. Mm -hmm. But also... The, the system of the royal family seems to make life quite miserable for them. They're all miserable. I, do, I hope it's better in real life, but it's so sad. No one's happy. Do you think that it's... They look all gloomy, you do, know? Do you think that's normal, though, that in, in any family, in any section of society, if you follow them through their lives, that there will be, you know, pain and misery and depression and bad things? Yeah, or is it just have. them? No, of course it's not just them, but you have up and downs for everyone. But 
if you take like Charles, I mean, from the very first beginning, you remember when we started to watch The Crown when he was sent to this private school and everything and, and you follow his childhood and in teenage years and now like this failure, failure of a marriage with Diana and his love for Camilla. I mean, it's you don't see any happiness. So, of course, it's fiction uh, and it's dramatized and everything. But if it's based on real events, I don't know. This is a kind of tricky thing. So, basically... Yeah, you, you need to... Hmm. Sorry, do you want to interrupt? No, it's all right. You can interrupt. You're my wife. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone can interrupt me, it's you. Um, uh, actually, this brings up a thing. Oh, where, where, where? Oh, it's difficult to know how to approach this mm. properly. Uh, I've got various questions and stuff, but these are themes that we're kind of going to touch mm. on in this okay. conversation. Okay. Gen- generally, though, yes, we enjoy the crown, don't we? Uh, a um, lot. Um, what are the things that are pleasant about watching it? Hmm, so many things. It's very well made. I love the fact it's like by decade. Decade, uh, decade, decade by yeah, decade. every 10 years. Not dickhead, by dickhead. <laughs> 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 it could be like, let's which, which royal dickhead are we going to look at this week? <laughs> this time it's Prince, A- Prince Andrew. <laughs> no, uh, decade by decade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's very interesting. First, politically. You know, when you're not, of course, I know like the main events, but, you know, the relation between, the relationship between like Churchill and the Queen and the, even like just the Prime Minister with the Queen, how it works and everything. This is, this is so different from everything I know. You meaning, sorry, meaning understanding our constitution. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, So that's very interesting on this point of view. Plus, Let's face it, there was a bit of drama and all the gossips involved and everything. There was a bit of, you know, it's juicy sometimes. You want to get, you want to be able to have a sneak peek Mm. inside Buckingham Palace to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And what I find it like completely amazing is the resemblance between the characters and the people in real life. I mean, the people who did the casting just, wow. They did an incredible job because what I do now is when I check pictures online to check how the real members of the royal family like look like when yeah. they were young and say, oh yeah, wow, the actress looks the same and everything. I it's, think it's kind of part of the experience of watching yeah. The Crown is everyone's and yeah, Googling. Yeah, you do fact checks and everything. I love it. After each episode, like, or even during the episode, I fact checked everything. It's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly the casting has been amazing and yeah. uh, they've picked out... Wow. Act- Olivia Coleman. Yeah. She is brilliant. She amazing. Is. I think it's her last season. And all the others. I mean, mm, like, yeah, Philip, brilliant. Both Philips. Yeah. I mean, we Matt had Smith, yeah, amazing. And the other guy, I can't remember his name, yeah. the actor who plays yeah. the older yeah. Philip. But Mm-mm. yeah, in fact, a quite a star-studded yes. cast of great actors, and it's just ple- pleasant to to watch these great actors doing their thing. Um, I think the one who steals the show for me is Helena Bonham Carter. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Princess Margaret. I mean, yeah. she's just amazing. She she just yeah. just eats mm. up the scenery in every Mm-mm. single scene that she's in, yeah. um, and she's gonna. You know, she's got this kind of. Uh, she's got a great sense of humor, but a sense of tragedy and lots oh, of yeah. things. Oh yeah, and she's so sad. She's depressed and sad, and her life 
for instance, it's like she's a second. So she will never be queen. She's a senior member of the family, but she can't do whatever she wants. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want to spoil the story, but at the end, like... Yeah, and the fact... Because you have um, new heirs with Charles... Um, kids and the kids of the queen so, so she gets relegated yeah and it's really sad she because she has nothing in her life it seems i don't know but yeah. well i mean like th there's this is another case of of the the family structure or the really system harsh. uh kind of ruining mm. her life in a way mm. that she fell in love with someone but basically mm. the 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 buckingham palace said no you can't be exactly. with this person yeah. because he does mm. he's not mm. the right mm. profile mm. and so that kind of broke her heart mm. and then yeah it turns out that she just needed to find some meaning in her life and it yeah. was to be um an important person in the royal family but even that changed mm. as as you said as she got relegated and she became more and more redundant so another sort of sad story mm. and it mm. it feels but again this is fiction and i'm sure in real life it's maybe not that harsh there is no space for feelings it's like the duty the crown the duty you do it because this is your duty end of the story so relegate your feelings to for another life but not this one you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty tough and sometimes it's a bit like um uh distressing yeah. to watch because this is people's life so yeah that's right Um, other things that are, we were talking about things that are nice to watch. Um, other things are that it's 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 just sumptuous, which is a nice yes. word. Sumptuous meaning it's kind of grand, luxurious, of high quality. We get to see, um, you know, how uh, people at the very pinnacle of society live mm. and the conditions that they live in. And we're talking about how well, it seems a bit boring, right? Yeah, <laughs> they go hunting. And playing, maybe you'll explain what the game is. I didn't get it. Edel, Dibble. What? You know, there was an episode where it was Margaret, where they do Edel, Dibble. No? Okay. Just weird, well. posh, posh people okay. stuff. <laughs> like, posh people play weird games and, okay. and, and have, like, slightly odd family traditions and things. Um, playing little parlor games. Okay. Um, yeah, there are lots of, lots of sitting around mm. and kind of just being royal. Yeah, um, just nothing happens much. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that the the, the high-ranking members of the family mm. are busy. We don't mm. necessarily see all of the charity work. Yes. yes, it's true because I think this. I follow the press about the royal family, and they're always like everywhere doing charity works, representation. You don't really see that that much. A bit with Diana mm -hmm. um, at the end, but it's a bit like. I don't know. It's not very. Yeah, it's not emphasized that much. Emphasized. I mean, we see we see um, like Charles and Diana going off on their tour of Australia, which is I don't mm. know how was it six weeks or something like that, mm. uh, or a long time. And mm. there's obviously a lot of work involved in that, lots of public appearances, mm. interviews, uh, press events, and things like that. So, I you know they it's it's not that they never did any work, but having said that, there is quite a lot of kind of hanging around Buckingham Palace. Um, you know, kind of going, oh, well, so it seems that, you know, normal people do this. <laughs> oh, how interesting. You know, that lots of that kind of thing and drinking tea and, um, mm. and yeah, parlor games and stuff. Uh, Buckingham Palace, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't look like such a great place. It, it looks dull. 
gloomy and stuffy and old and not very welcoming. Yeah, and and the the, the architecture. Hmm. Although obviously there are these amazing paintings yeah. which are hmm. very historic and stuff. The design of the place is a bit plain mm. and a bit mm. probably a bit depressing to spend time in. Yeah. I think the Queen prefers Windsor Windsor Castle actually. Really? Yeah, I think so. Plus you feel there is always someone behind the door, you know? Like because you have like people working there, so you, it's grand but you always feel there is Yeah. A sneaky person <laughs> looking oh, at you. Sorry, madam. Sorry, ma'am. Uh, I wasn't listening in. Well, maybe a little bit. Yeah, kind of uh, servants hanging around. Um, no, I think what's yeah. fascinating is we see the royal family as public members and we only see what they want us to see. So with the crown, you feel like you open the door and you enter and you see what's happening behind closed doors. That's why... Yes. It's interesting. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I've written some notes here. Epic story, uh, a saga, a big family saga. We follow it across generations um, and big moments in history. Um, it's, it's, it's like a soap opera, but it's the highest budget soap opera mm. on the largest scale ever. Um, what else did I want to mention? So... Um, Performances and actors, we've talked a little bit, you know, mentioned that we're impressed by the actors and their performances and the casting and the way that they've transformed people's appearances to look like different people. Like, I've, I watched an interview with the actress who plays Princess Anne, mm -hmm. and she, her accent's so different. So she's got like this sort of estuary English accent. She sort of sounds really? a bit like a Cockney, yeah, like that. Well, you're really brilliant, you. Um Brits, to modify your accent. It's like um, in Killing Eve, mm -hmm. uh, Jodie... Jo uh, not Jodie Whittaker. What's the name of the um, girl in Killing Eve? She's amazing. Yeah, she, she can get so many different accents, the Russian accents and the posh accents, everything. And you hear her in real life. And she has what, a Brummie accent? Or? No, she's Scouser. Ah, she's a Scouser. Scouser. She sounds like this. That's Jodie Comer, yeah, who's Jody not Comer. in The Crown, unfortunately. No. She's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. Jodie Comer is in um, Killing Eve. She's a Scouser. She sounds like this when she speaks normally. But then in Killing Eve, she's got all these different accents. Yeah, she can really sound brilliant. posh. She can sound... She can speak with these different foreign mm. accents and things. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Um, I guess maybe with the diversity of accents that we have, it's, you know, people have an ear for these, mm. for this, for the diversity. And yeah, English is a very diverse language. I was talking to an accent coach about it mm. on the podcast recently. Um, so um, um, the accents is an interesting thing. Um, I mean, y you love the accents that you hear in the crown don't you i love it it's just i'd love to speak the same <laughs> unfortunately for you but don't you notice don't you, can you not hear that they have a super posh accent yeah but i love it anyway because <laughs> that i mean i mean i don't think that it's i don't think anyone really speaks like that outside really? the aristocracy yeah i mean i'm trying to think of examples um so let's see so basically if i could speak with your accent i'd be already like super happy just just modern standard rp mm. but not super mega like um uh, royal windsor castle rp which is something else entirely mm. so i'm trying to find an example so this is from i'm going to play a little clip and this is from the episode where 
um, a uh, an un- an unemployed guy um, called Michael Fagan in I think 1982, an extraordinary moment. He actually broke into Buckingham Palace. Mm. He's, he managed to sneak into the house um, without anyone noticing him. Noticing him twice, and the second time he did it, he got all the way into the Queen's bedroom. And he sat down in the room with her and had a conversation with the Queen Scary. for, I don't know how long it was. It may have been a few hours. Um, amazing moment. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, scary that someone could get in and get that close to the Queen. Um, but in fact, it turns out that he wasn't threatening to her. He just wanted to talk mm. to her. And he wanted her to speak to a normal person. He wanted her to speak yeah. to a normal person, yeah. And, I didn't know this, actually. yeah. That happened. Amazing. I mean, it's a bit tricky because we don't know what happened in that mm. room. Mm-mm. We don't know specifically what was said. So watching a dramatized version of it is a little bit, um, I don't know, like, uh, it may, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But, but is it true that he spoke to her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What we know is that he broke in. He wasn't violent. The, the, the queen, obviously, she was alarmed, but she talked to him. And he, he, you know, she, I think she sat up in bed and he sat in a chair and uh, they had a chat mm. for, for a few hours before her servant came in and he was discovered and then he was arrested. He was, eventually he was put in a mental institution, but he was released after a, a few months. He wasn't mentally ill, um, or at least he wasn't long-term mentally ill anyway. I think... I think genuinely he wanted to just have a conversation with the Queen, uh, which I sort <laughs> of understand. Too. <laughs> you see in the show, I mean, the, the, the trouble that he's having is that he's unemployed and he can't get a job. And there, Margaret Thatcher, the context is mm. that Margaret Thatcher was sort of dismantling the welfare state and taking away a lot of support for unemployed people. This was how she um, sort of um, liberalised the British economy. Um, and, um, and he felt like there was no one to turn to and he decided, well, maybe the queen will listen to me. An extraordinary moment, but this is how they kind of dealt with that in the show. And I thought that I'd play this a little bit of this just so that we can hear perhaps the different in, difference in accents and especially the queen's accent and just the way she says certain words and when you when maybe when I highlight it, it'll be easier to hear how she does have an accent that's different to to mine, for example. Uh, I hope this isn't too loud. Let's see. What is it you'd like me to do? Save us all from her. Save us all from her. That's his Mm. London accent. Save us all from her. What is it you'd like me to do? (laughs) Save us all from her. Who? Thatcher. She's destroying the country. We've got more than three million unemployed. That's more than at any time since the Great Depression. Doesn't that bother you? Yes, it bothers me greatly. It bothers me greatly. (laughs) Greatly. That's more than at any time since the Great Depression. Doesn't that bother you? Yes, it bothers me greatly. But there's nothing I personally can do about it. There's nothing I personally can do about it. (laughs) About. I'd say about, but about. about. There's nothing I can do about Mm. about it. Maybe it's just the... Yeah, but that's the Queen. I don't want to speak like the Queen. They all sound like that. Yeah, well, the Queen is a bit particular, no? Mm, Yeah. It's different. Take Margaret. Yeah, but she's not in the royal family. That's the point I'm making. 
the 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 aristocrats. The aristocrats have got this Margaret. Particular she's voice. in the royal family. Margaret Thatcher. No, Margaret, um, the sister. Yeah, uh, princess, princess Margaret. Yeah, princess Margaret. Mm, she does a bit. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not as it's not as uh, maybe not as specific as the Queen's. Let me just play a little bit more. When you've been in my position as long as I have, you see how quickly and how often a nation's fortunes can change. Um, I, you know, when, when I do stuff about accents, I think sometimes um, my listeners or learners of English, they find it hard to pick up on things that I notice, like vowel sounds, like the way she says, you know, um, I don't, you know what is, that's what it's a bite. Uh, they won't necessarily notice a bite rather mm. than about. Yeah, I didn't. But but people do notice the tone. Yes. So this kind of tone, exactly. which is, it's very sort of clear, in a very clear register. And every word appears to be very clearly mm. uh, pronounced like this. Very clipped, kind of clear tone, um, which is part of it. But I'm sort of talking about other things like, Um, yeah, especially vowel sounds. Like, listen to the way she says words like back. Joblessness, recession, crises, war. All of these things have a way of correcting themselves. All of these things have a way of correcting themselves. Countries bounce back. There you go. Countries bounce back. Back. Not back. But countries bounce back. Which is almost like an eh sound. Back. Not back. Hmm. Okay, she has a posh accent. But is there a regional background in her accent? No. No, not at no. all. Okay. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because she, mm. she is, is... Well, I mean, she's not... She doesn't have a Scottish accent. I mean, it's e English. I don't know if Scottish aristocrats... You know, I don't know if Scottish aristocrats speak like this. Or if maybe Scottish aristocrats have a slightly Scottish... I'm going I'm to doing Sean Connery now. <laughs> maybe Scottish aristocrats sound like Sean Connery. Um, but so certainly English, but no, no regional okay. uh, thing. But I mean, RP doesn't really have, mm. maybe, maybe with some sounds like uh, I'd say podcast and someone from the North would say podcast, mm. maybe yeah, little things like that. Mm. Yeah. But no, it doesn't really have a regional thing, except that only aristocrats speak like this. And you tend to find that the aristocrats live in the home counties. Mm. You know, the, the county and, mm. around London. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, should we have a bit more? Let's see if we can hear any more of those, those ah sounds that sound like eh. People do. Because they simply have to. That's what I thought. That I'd bounce back. And then I didn't. First the work dried up. Then my confidence dried up. Then the love in my wife's eyes dried up. And then you begin to wonder, you know, where's it gone? Not just your confidence or your happiness, but your... They say I have mental health problems now. I don't. I'm just poor. Well, the state can help with all of this. What state? The state has gone. She's dismantled it, along with all the other things we thought we could depend on growing up. A sense of community, a sense of, you know, obligation to one another. A sense of kindness. It's all disappearing. I think you're exaggerating. 
exaggerating. Mm. I think you're exaggerating. I'd say exaggerating. I think you're exaggerating. Anyway, I just wanted to show that. We can't dwell on that too long because it's starting to get a bit boring, isn't it, that? Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't your favourite episode. Um, should we talk about individual royals? Should we get into the gossip stuff now? Okay. Well, gossip of season four. Or maybe we can just talk about what. how does the show present these people and do you think it has any, I mean, based on what we know, do you think it's reasonable or, or realistic? <laughs> so what about the Queen? How does the Queen come out of this As show? a bad mother. Mm. No, that's my main... Um, Takeaway. Takeaway. Yeah. Um, like with no feelings and no... Especially when Diana uh, arrives and she has William and then Harry and she doesn't want to leave her sons or at least William there is only William she doesn't want to tour without William so they go to Australia with Charles and she imposes the presence of William say yeah but he's a baby and everything and she doesn't want to leave William for six weeks and when the queen said yeah well I, I left Charles when he was like I don't know a week although I don't know but yeah, yeah, when he was yeah. a baby and for her she didn't even understand she thought it was Diana's like demand and that's it, you know? Yeah, but she's um, not very... She doesn't have very maternal... Not at all. She's not a very maternal figure, which is ironic considering she's the mother of the <laughs> of the country and the Commonwealth and this this maternal <laughs> figure in, in a political sense, but in her family, not maternal or, or loving, really, it seems. And it's not only an impression because sometimes you have some characters who just hint that, well, especially Anne when she speaks to the Queen... And she refers to Diana. And you feel like mm, there is something missing here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the main thing which uh, struck me in this season. Yeah, that she seemed to be kind of a bad mm. mother. Because at the beginning with Charles, when it was Philip, you know, was really strict with Charles when he sent him to this horrible school who he was bullied and really sad and everything. And you felt like the Queen was didn't want him to go there and she felt a little bit like just against Philip, you know? Mm -hmm. she, you felt the maternal instinct of a mother protecting a son. But that just not at all. Everything vanished. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it maybe maybe just somehow uh, over the years the Queen mm. sort of had to become a bit more cold or a yeah. bit more strong or tough. Mm just to be able to deal with it all because it's, it's it looks like it's such a difficult life you know like like the especially what happened to mm. her sister and you see this time and time again through this different seasons mm. like uh, margaret the queen's sister mm. kind of the queen basically having to impose constitutional law or, yeah. or royal law or whatever it is on her sister and it must have taken its toll on the queen too that she probably had to like uh, close off part of that, mm, the, yeah. the, the emotional side, yeah. maybe. No, that's actually impressive because, you know, there is a scene when Charles and Diana are just like on the verge of breaking up and they come to complain to her about each other. And it's almost if she says, yeah, don't bother me with your shenanigans. Just like, yeah, you, it's childish. Uh, your duty is to stay married because you're going to be the king and the queen. End of the story. So she has a very strong sense of duty. Yeah. And that's admirable because she became queen like, she was what, 25, 20? 
25? Very young. She, very, yeah. very young. Unexpectedly because abdication and her father. Her, um, her uncle was supposed yeah. to be the king. Then it was her father. Exactly. And, and then he died sort of fairly young from, yeah. from cancer. And suddenly... You know, she was. She had to be the the, the monarch. Yeah. The yeah, and maybe she was destined to something completely different, like just a princess, uh, um, yeah. living like a royal life, but maybe not constricted to the crown and the sense yeah. of duty and this public figure that everybody knows. And every movie you make is watched and criticized, and that must be difficult. And maybe that's why she closed off as well. Yeah. Just. My duty is a crown, so I do it. And that's why uh, she, she, I think she will never abdicate. Oh, no. Even COVID is not going to make her abdicate. Well, no, no, no. Because apparently she's self-isolating uh, in uh, Windsor, I think. Windsor. Um, it's been months and uh, they reduced like the staff and everything. So people say, is she going to come back to London or not? I see. You see, I see. there is like rumors. Charles is going to step in. Mm. But after the crown season four, I think nobody wants Charles back. <laughs> Should we talk about Charles and how he comes out of this? Does he come out of it well, sympathetically, badly? What? What do you think? It's horrible. How? You, it at the beginning of the season, you feel sympathetic for him because he's in love with um, Camilla, and Camilla got married with someone else because I think the queen mother just. Just did some, you know, like she pulled some strings because she didn't want Charles to marry Camilla. Because Camilla was sort of involved with someone else, and she, yeah. she she'd been she, she had been fairly sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Um, and back in those days, that was still considered to be a no no. Mm. And they wanted a kind of <sighs> they wanted a pure mm. girl to fulfill the fairy tale image of the princess oh. so old-fashioned so at the beginning you feel for him mm -hmm. because you he's not really happy and he has his love who's married to someone else and everything and then he met diana so what i learned is like he was dating diana's sister uh older sister and he met diana and Then the family thought that was a great deal. They invited her to... I never know how to pronounce that. Sang Balmoral. Ah, it's Balmoral. I thought it was Sangri... Sandringham. Oh, was, Sandringham. It, was it Sandringham? I'm not sure mm, which one. No, maybe it's Balmoral. Balmoral weekend. Listeners, by the way, Balmoral is like a royal residence in Scotland and Sandringham is a royal residence in... Is it East Anglia? Hold on. It's in England. <laughs> it's in England. Uh, whereas uh, Sandri Sandringham. It's Sandringham. Not, it's not Sandringham. They would say Sandringham. Sandringham Castle. I think it's in, I think it might be in Norfolk or Northampton or something like that. Norfolk, yeah. Mm. Norfolk, all right. So. But I think um, it's Balmoral uh, where yeah, she was invited Balmoral. to Balmoral. So she's invited there. She's really young. She's not even, I think, 20. Um, she doesn't know anything about life. She works in a primary school um, in London. She lives with like a friend. So she's like a normal like well-born uh, girl but having a normal life yes yeah, like, working to make a living and 
She's in she's, the. She's she's connected. Yeah. She's an aristocrat mm. too, but sort of not in any not in any danger of of having to uh, fulfil a public duty until suddenly she meets Charles. He sort of quite likes her, and um, and so suddenly she she goes she goes to Balmoral and she just impresses everyone. Yeah, because she's funny, outgoing, and she's beautiful. Um, she comes from a very um, um, well-connected and very well-established family. I think her grandmother is a lady in waiting or something. There is, I haven't identified, but the grandmother is in the circle of the queen. She's like mates with the queen mother, right? Yeah, but... Oh, what is yeah. a lady in waiting? Isn't it like a person who follows the queen and who's kind of a friend, but it's also a job at the same time? like a professional friend (laughs) according to wikipedia a lady in waiting or court lady is a female personal assistant at a court um yeah like a a personal assistant Mm. to it to the royals attending on a royal woman or a high-ranking noblewoman i think that she was the lady in waiting to the queen mother Mm. the queen's Ah. mum. so she was kind of like yeah she's in the circle and yeah so everybody's impressed with Diana and the trap is set up. The tr- yeah, the trap is set. And basically it is decided by mm. the powers that be in the upper echelons mm. of the royal family that Diana will be yeah. um, will be married to Charles yeah. and she she'll, fits the bill. She fits the bill, exactly. Yeah. And but Charles is in love with Camilla. Diana doesn't really know what mm. she's doing because she's too young. Mm. She's got no real life experience. I think they met six times before the marriage, the wedding. Mm-hmm. God, only six times? I think. I read that somewhere. So maybe it was... Uh, yeah. And, and it turns out that they were not really made for each other at oh, It's all. horrible, this first interview after the engagement when a journalist asked Charles, Oh, are you in love? And um, what does he say? Uh, yes. It depends on what you mean. Whatever love means. Whatever love means. And it's so <sighs> shocking. Poor Diana. Because Diana said, yes, of course. You know, she's so candid. You know? Mm, yeah. No, I was really um, um, sad for Diana because in every episode you see what she goes through. Yeah. Okay, there is a part of fiction, but ultimately what we read in the press and what the biographers, royal biographers and experts, I don't know what a royal expert is, but, you know, like yeah. people who are really into the subject said she was, like, not happy from day one and Charles was just with Camilla and he never um, stopped loving her. And when she said famously there were three in this marriage, yeah. I think it was from the beginning. So it's really, really sad. She was like a... A sort of a pretty little mm. flower that mm. was just coming into bloom, and then it got picked and slowly <laughs> crushed. You're quite lyrical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, should, do you want to hear that moment where <laughs> Prince Charles goes, well, "Yeah, whatever love means." The real one or the this crown? This is the real one, one. Mm. Um, and this is just an example of. I mean, Charles, come on, mate. He was so oh. clumsy. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it, you know, Diana, poor Diana. I mean, on one hand, she was innocent. And she, I mean, she had, like, she was described as a bit of an airhead um, by some. Um, but, you know, she was just young. She didn't know what she was getting into. She thought she was in love with him and stuff like that. But then you can see at certain moments, Charles is 
real feelings were revealed and it's it's quite shocking really let's mm. let's listen to that clip here we go the relationship between the two sides has sometimes shown a certain amount of strain but that had all vanished when the prince and his lady stepped out into the garden of buckingham palace and faced the cameras she was an absolute stunner an ab- okay this is one of those tv shows it's a clips show and they've got like like D-level celebrities commenting on <laughs> stuff. So I don't know who this guy... She was an absolute stunner. I don't know who this guy is. Absolute but. gorgeous woman. And then you look at him, you think, whoa, she's marrying her granddad. It was amazing when they first did that photo shoot. We first got to sort of meet Diana, this woman who was going to one day be our queen. We all- okay, so th- let's just... Okay. Sort of 17th century figure. Do you find it a very daunting experience that uh, now you're about to... Uh, Marry the Prince of Wales. It is, but I've had a small run up to it all in the last six months. <laughs> and next to Prince Charles, I know I can't go wrong. He's there with me. He clearly didn't want to be there. And it's easy to sit here now and say that's the fact. But when you were watching it, you know, it's like you could see his mum's boot print on the back of his jacket. Are you in? You could see his mum's boot print on the back of his jacket. What does that mean? That means his mum, the Queen, had, had like kicked him into the room. Uh. You know, she forced him to, mm. to do the interview. It's really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Love. Lovely little question. Very typical question to ask people who've just got engaged. And I suppose in love. Are you in love? You know, uh, are you happy? Are you in love? And Charles says, yes, whatever love means. Something like that. Of course. She says, of, of course. And I suppose in love. Of course. <laughs> whatever in love means. Yes. So. Diana's Whatever in oh, love means. That's horrible. But I mean, come on, Charles, have a bit more tact. He, that's that's very insensitive for him to do. Yes, and he's like, "Whatever in love means." <laughs> that's his version mm. of of like funny, witty banter. <laughs> well, yes, we're in love. <laughs> whatever, in whatever in love means. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly mate, the right moment to say that. Yeah, really badly mm. timed attempt at, at, at making a joke. No, that's really really sad. Um, when the relationship develops in the story, like it's really heartbreaking to watch because not only Diana was miserable, but he was as well. Uh, so he, ha- he had, according to the crown, very um, bad behavior, and you see it in so many occasions. It is despicable, really. Mm. Um, and at the same time, he was forced into this trapped marriage and he's not in love with her. And I found a kind of bit harsh when the queen thought Diana was difficult uh, because, you know, she had bulimia. She developed a bulimia um, uh, food disorder. Yeah, um, because eating disorder. She, uh, eating disorder um, because she was so unwell. And she said something true in, well, in the episode. Uh, suddenly in... Um, in one night, they expected me to become the Princess of Wales when she was just a normal person before, and suddenly she she just steps in this world she doesn't really know, even if she's an aristocrat. And um, it's really painful to watch because the Queen said, oh, well, she's difficult. Uh, and the Queen knew because I, there is a very interesting documentary on Netflix. It's uh, Diana uh, with her own words. You know, she was recorded. Yeah by a biographer, Andrew Morton, for the book. And she said that the Queen knew, everybody knew she had a disorder, but they blacked out. Blank, they blanked it and out. Blanked it out. Yeah, not blacked out. 
<laughs> that's when you drink too much and like what happened I, yeah, well, I have no memory of what happened because I, I was so that, I thought it was that you blacked out that just you don't want to see if you black <laughs> out it means that you pass you, you just have a complete lapse of your memory probably because you drank too much or you had a psychotic episode but if you blank something out B-A-L B-L-A-N-K blank it out it means you just sort of ignore it or f- mm. force yourself to forget it yeah there you go the- let's say i like make uh, useful mistakes for your <laughs> listeners <laughs> right yeah 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 that's right there you go listeners you just learned some <laughs> two expressions thanks to my wife uh to black out and to blank something out like blank something out nah, nah, like, like, nah. so they they kind of blanked it out the fact that she was clearly suffering from uh, mental health issues. Mm. But these, this was the early 80s, and this was before the royal family sort of modernised, mm. uh, as it has done a little bit with mm. the new uh, generation, William mm. and Harry. But even that has kind of gone wrong, hasn't it, a little bit? As as oh, yes. Harry and William have seemed to That's have really had a, sad. yeah they've seemed to have had a split. And are we going to get into Meghan Markle and all that stuff? I don't know, but um, that's yes. really really sad, especially when you remember them walking behind their mother's coffin, which was horrible to watch. I don't even know who decided one day that yeah. these poor kids had in front of the entire world. Uh, they had to walk behind the coffin and you see them because the documentary I watch, you, you see the footage and they're like, wow, very stoic. You know, they don't cry. But yeah. they're so young and you see these brothers, they're going to feel united because they lost their mother and everything. So that's very, um, very sad what's happening. It right is very now. sad. Mm. I mean, I guess what, again, making this point again, what one of the things that's come out of this is the fact that... Um, I think it's duty which separated them. The, yeah. Because really. William has the duty, he's going to be the first king. Harry is the second, so he's really back in the line for being the heir of the throne. And considering what happened to his mother, he decided, to, and he said it, he decided to protect his wife and he doesn't want the same thing to happen to his wife, which is fair enough. Yeah. He lost his mother and he said he also had um, some mental health issues after losing his mother and everything. So, I really feel for him because he's being trashed with his wife yeah. by the press. Yeah. Like he's ungrateful and he, he flew the, to go to California to live a lavish life and everything. When you you see the newspaper, they don't realize what they write. The newspapers... They're, just, are, the, they're the, horrible. The, the press yeah. in the UK, yeah. it's just terrible. Yeah, absolutely. One of the worst things about the country is, really? is, is, is the press or what's called the gutter press. And when you believe it's only like maybe 10 people, 10 like ten horrible. awful journalists, yeah. you know? And a, and a few papers, the Daily Mail, the Daily Express. Oh. But I mean, you know, a lot, of, a lot of other papers are getting stuck in there too, even more respectable ones like the Telegraph and maybe even the Times yeah, as well. Yeah, but it's not the same. But it's not to the same extent that you get with the, the Mail and the Express and, and papers like that. And yeah, they are absolutely awful, the way that they treat public figures. And um, yeah, they've got absolutely no qualms about um, dragging people through the dirt, Mm. maybe even um, just making stuff Mm. up, just lying. Yeah, they are the scourge of of, uh, Mm. the country, those those newspapers. Um, So yeah, they are... Uh, being extremely cruel to Hag- uh, Hagen and Mary, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Harry and Meghan. Mm. Um, 
Um, but yeah, so the point I was, I was going to make again was that, so when you look at the royal family, there are various arguments for and against the monarchy, mm. right? When the, when the discussion, when the debate comes up of whether the monarchy should be abolished or not, which is not something that's been debated for a while now, mm-hmm. but back in the mid nineties, when Charles is, you know, before Diana died, even uh, when Charles's marriage to Diana had, had ended in divorce, Andrew and uh, Sarah Ferguson, their marriage had ended in divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne and her husband, mm-hmm. Captain Mark Phillips, that ended in divorce. It was just divorce. Nobody's happy in this family. It was a total disaster. And it, there was one year, I think it was 1994, which the Queen made a speech, you know, she always makes a speech at mm-hmm. Christmas, and she described it as, the, as, as our a, uh, annus horribilis, mm, yes. um, our horrible year, because of all these divorces. And also there was a big fire at Windsor Palace that year, True. and, you know, the palace was on fire, very symbolic. It was like a really bad time. <laughs> the palace is on fire. Yeah, well, it kind of was. <laughs> Because it was it was totally symbolic of of the the mm. state that the mm. the royal family was in, and at that time, lots of people were talking about whether we should just mm. abolish the royal mm. family or not. So that's a debate actually that hasn't really been had that recently because basically thanks to William and Harry this sort of young yeah. generation and, and their wives and their wives much more although mm. you know arguably it's kind of gone wrong. But that's yeah, that's but the Kate, press looking yeah. for looking to sell course, papers. But- to be fair, it's a new yeah, it's a new generation who's gonna save the monarchy because Charles and Camilla and apparently they're having a horrible backlash from the season four, you know, the trolls on the internet are just getting out of control because they think they were horrible to Diana, so it people re- revive. Uh, it revives all this you know. All, 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 all this drama and everything. Bad feeling I, and stuff. I think when it happened, like when Diana died, everybody hated Charles and everything, and it took time for Charles to work on his reputation. And now I think he's seen as a nice grandfather who has is a organic um, what organic farm and everything. He's very involved in the environment, and so he has a nice posture. And he finally married, like, the love of his life and everything. So they look like a nice grandparents couple, you know, like yeah. the grandparents you want to see and everything. Mm-hmm. But apparently with the, with the crown, it's, like, getting wrong at the moment. And to be honest, yeah, I think it's more like William and Kate. They look young. They look very serious in their jobs. Apparently, like, William had COVID and continued to work. So the press is very praise them a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think, yeah, that's really sad what happened with Harry and Meghan. But there was also a part of them making the monarchy a bit like glamorous again. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and everyone, you know, the thing that everyone said is like, yeah, William and Harry, they seem like normal people. I mm, could go for mm. a pint with them. But we saw them growing up. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Harry, I think, is a year older than me, and William is maybe two years older than his brother. Uh-huh. So they were 35, yeah, 37, late, 8. Mid, mid to late 30s. Um, so I grew up with them, you know, so yeah. I saw them in the newspaper all my life. And when I was a teenager, they were teenagers. So, And they, know, they also learned... the older generation, they saw them growing up as well because you have you had more information in the press and everything. You know, it's not 
Fun. Weirdly, Diana helped. Mm. Helped. Yes. The, the the Diana was the one really because yeah. the 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 boys learnt from their mother mm. uh, how to be a sort of normal person mm. in a way because mm. that was the appeal of Diana that she was yeah. uh, you know a princess but that she was kind of people could relate to her mm. and when she yes. met people in the streets she was brilliant with them and she was able to be on their level whereas you know the other royals have got this yeah. kind of um, um, what's the word for it slight patronizing mm. thing oh you're a oh you're a, I mean yeah. that kind of thing like if I met a royal oh you're an English teacher oh that's oh really that's that is you know oh really oh, mm. you can make a living from that can you mm. oh, jolly good you know that, that sort of talking down whereas Diana was more like the sort of person you could imagine yeah. would get up and dance when they when you put like a good uh, Rolling Stones song on or, or something, she would dance to it and lots of things like that. So she was, you know, I think the boys learnt how to be normal mm. from her example. But the point I was, the point I've, I wanted to make again was that, um, so this debate about whether the royal family should stay or should be abolished, and the arguments usually are focus. Uh, the arguments normally focus on the benefits to the country. And whether the, having a royal family is good for the country or good for the people in the country or not, but the arg- a great there is a great appeal. Yeah, I think the the point of view that's winning on that is that the royal family are overall good for the UK for tourism and other things. You you know like um, oh, it's a complicated one. I mean, there are arguments that say the royal family, the existence of this family, perpetuates inequality in society. And, and and all this stuff. But the, what, what I'm getting to, what I'm trying to get to, is that The Crown, the TV show, really strongly um, shows us the effects of the monarchy on the people in the royal family yeah, itself. The royal and family. arguably, it's just not good for them. Um, yeah. Just to come back on the inequality, mm-hmm. um, they actually worked a bit on themselves because uh, Charles decided uh, with his mother and William to reduce the members of family senior royals who had le- all this privilege, you know, and and there was a famous um, conversation, I think. Uh, Andrew uh, wanted his daughters, Beatrice and Eugenie, Eugenie uh, to have the same level of duties and privilege as William, Harry, because they were the grandchildren of the Queen. And I think they were a bit like... Sidelined. Yeah, sidelined, because they want to reduce to the minimum. Also, I think for the people, you know, to, to, to make a gesture to the people, a sign, to send a signal to the people, like, we're not just a bunch of privileged people doing nothing. Yeah, we're not know? just a bunch of freeloaders. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. they have allowance from mm-hmm. the people, from mm-hmm. the sta- estates they have, and it's a bit like... From the because the duke and duchess, so from the duchy, they have an allowance. You're talking. You're talking about who exactly? But I think uh, Charles gets money from. There's a combination of things. It's complicated. Charles right? has got, I think, probably private property. Yeah. And he probably owns earns money from that, from farming, from mm. rent and stuff like that. So he's probably a landowner. Mm. I think that may. Yeah, he's probably got private property. Then there's the Duchy of Cornwall, which yeah. I guess is a sort of. It sounds so old-fashioned now, yeah. but it's basically like, I don't know, really. I think d- they d- get ta- money from... Taxes, basically. The, yeah. There's some tax allowance that goes to into a fund, mm. and then that fund is used to pay them. Um, and it, But it's a combination. I mean, 
I mean, the, the argument about tax mm. is actually quite easy to, to deal with, which is that it costs each person mm. to maintain the royal family. It costs each person about a pound a year. Mm. It's mm. not that much, mm. really. No, I do hear the argument when you have a uh, royal wedding, for instance, yeah. and we say, ah, oh, we have to step up like uh, the security yeah. for Harry and Meghan. Apparently, it costs like millions and millions. Or, for instance, Frogmore Cottage. You know, they were given in Windsor... Uh, property by the queen uh-huh. as a wedding gift right. and they refurbished and did a lot of work in it and it cost i think 14 millions paid by the people yeah but they refunded it they refunded the money because uh-huh. they left so they were asked when they decided to leave the royal family to a fund so i understand the point of view of people saying yeah we have to pay for their weddings for their yeah. homes and everything yeah, it's totally especially when you do 14 millions refurbishment in your home i mean but i mean you know, you know the yeah totally i can but hear if, the point but if you've got a president and stuff like that and of course and, and the president but who, you elected the president yeah but the you know point, yeah they are they imposed to you it doesn't matter in in any case well, wait does. hold on a minute it doesn't the point i'm making is i'm not defending the royal family i'm just i'm just trying to um you know make a point that people make it which is that um So it costs a lot of money to mm. pay for the royal family, but it costs a lot of money to pay for any head of state and the things that they do, right? So, so look, in France, you've got a prime minister. In the UK, we've got a prime minister mm. too. And you've got a president too, and the president has his cars and his properties mm. and his, mm. his planes and all those mm. things. In America too, you know, mm. uh, the president, I mean, he lives a very lavish lifestyle mm. um, and that's very costly. So anyway, anyway, where I'm getting, what am I trying to get at here? Um, where were we? I, I mean, I wanted to make the point about the mental health of the individuals in the royal family. And this is what I think has been highlighted here is that mm. they suffer. Mm. Um, in the 80s, when Diana was there, No one, there was no infrastructure at all yeah. for looking after the mental health of the people in the family. And the tradition had been, well, you just get on with it, don't you? Yeah, you know, very stoic. Very, very yeah. stoic indeed. Yeah. And um, the times changed. You know, mm-hmm. times, times changed. That kind of, well, just stiff up a lip, you know, you just don't, don't let your emotions get the better of you. It, it, that Time changes society. two directions. They have more support and maybe they're a bit more flexible. And also, I think William um, famously married a commoner, you know? So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Kate Kate's is a commoner. not an aristocrat. <laughs> her, her parents owned like a, a joke shop business. They sold a merchandise. Party, party pieces. Yeah. Basically, name of the company. They were essentially... Mm. I don't know if these mm. distinctions even exist anymore, but essentially they were middle-class people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That they were business people. I think she was a hair hostess, um, a- Carol, a- the a- Kate's mother. Air hostess. Yeah, well... Not a hair hostess. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. Okay, she used to work on a plane. Okay. I understood what you meant. Maybe and I, maybe that was unfair of me to... No, 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 you're right. Uh, this is an English podcast of the world. I guess so. Um, yeah, yeah, and they created a company um, called Party Pieces, like um, about um, party furniture. If you want to organize a party for your kids, like birthday, like balloons and everything. So they created that and they became like rich. And that's it. They started with not much and they succeeded yeah and so yes yeah, she doesn't come from an aristocratic background and i think they truly fell in love 
when they were in St. Andrews in university, Kate and William. Yeah, good. So it's a proper love story and I think it changes everything. Yeah, thank goodness for that. And I think it would have been like before, he couldn't have married her. They wanted like, because Diana, they wanted like a young aristocratic virgin and... Now we're like with a commoner. And I remember the newspaper when they married, they got married. Ah, oh, a commoner in the royal family. It was really something, the commoner, it's where I yeah. got the word. Yeah. You don't know this word. Um, it's, a, it's definitely a very negative word, a commoner. Yeah. It's a very negative word, that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the royal family is interesting because it's slowly mm. been reforming mm. by degrees, slowly but surely. The death of Diana was a huge thing. Um, and it really, really made, it really forced the royal family to take a good long look at itself. Um, I mean, even after Diana died, there were days and days and days when mm. the when um, Buckingham Palace didn't issue a statement. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's in that film, The Queen, uh, yes. Helen Mirren and um, Michael Sheen as Tony Blair. And that just shows how, um, like, the... The Queen's attitude was like, this is a private matter. The death mm. of Diana is a private thing. I shouldn't have to go in front of everyone and make a statement. We are grieving. We're pri- this is private mm. time. But Tony was like, look, you know, uh, Queen, I think you should really, Your Majesty, I think you should, uh, this is my Tony Blair impression. I think uh, you really ought to say something. And um, so she was like, oh, okay. And she did this speech to to everyone but she basically the royal family learned oh, all right we have to start acting a bit more like normal people we can't be so distant and stuff <sighs> we could go on and on and on about this for ages but i feel like uh, there's one more thing i need to talk about okay what do you know what it is yeah i think i have a prince andrew yeah i knew it for then <laughs> i am obsessed by, by this and i've never talked about it on the podcast Ooh. Prince Andrew and the 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 scandal and it's, it's controversial, seriously controversial. Um, we've been talking for an hour and five minutes. I could do a whole episode. We could do a whole episode about mm-hmm. the Prince Andrew, the famous, the infamous Prince Andrew interview with the BBC. It's horrible. It, it it's, it's this, this guy is an argument himself to abolish the monarchy. Just him on his own. Yeah, seriously. If it, it, this is a this is a very tricky point that Andrew could bring the whole thing down mm. if this is not carefully managed. I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised if we never ever see or hear from Prince Andrew ever again. That he will just be locked in some house in the countryside. <laughs> He'll ride horses and shoot birds and um, just like they did with their relatives, you know. Like they did with the yeah some of their relatives. That's a very sad uh, thing that we learn from watching the Crown is that the there are cousins that the Queen and Princess Margaret have cousins who um, are, are how to describe it really. Uh, they had developmental issues. They had learning disabilities, um, and um, they were just hidden from the from everyone and put into a. Special- they were presented as dead. Yeah. Yeah, because fish- the Queen said, no, they're dead. And Margaret, who deepened the topic, said, no, no, they're not dead. And they were, like, kept in a mental facility. Yeah. Somewhere, I don't know where. But it's really sad, this story. I was really shocked. I've never heard of it before. And yeah, that, so that's the, so cruel. These cousins who were, like, they sh- 
the Queen and, and Princess Margaret shared a, a grandparent mm. with these uh, cousins who they, um, they had. Hold on, royal cousins. The Lyon Beau uh, family, the Queen Mother's side. Okay, this is from news.com.au, an Australian uh, uh, website. The Crown's fourth season uncovers many secrets the royal family would no doubt prefer stay hidden, but none have shocked viewers more than the story of the Queen's two forgotten cousins. The storyline unfolds with two sisters in an asylum, as like a sort of mental health facility, a mental hospital, uh, lovingly staring at a TV screen and standing for the Royal National Anthem as images of the Queen arriving at the Royal Variety performance appear. The women in their 60s cradle a baby doll and proudly salute, blah, blah, uh, breaking only to take pills handed to them by a nurse. The episode goes on to reveal that the siblings were not just fans of Her Majesty, they were her cousins, Nerissa and Catherine Bowes Lyon, or Lion. And the story behind their tragic lives has left many viewers appalled. Yeah, so they were basically hidden. Uh, they were officially recorded as being dead. So basically all evidence of them was completely mm. hidden. Mm. And the thinking behind it was, well, this is the royal family, the, the bloodline. And uh, the whole idea is that we are somehow better than everyone else. We are the royal family. Mm. And yet uh, in the royal family, there are you know people who've got mental uh, uh, disorders and developmental disorders and stuff it could damage the crown could, says the queen mother it could damage the crown exactly so they were just always about the crown they were just neutralized uh, <laughs> how sad but anyway the point there is that mm. they they were hidden away yeah. and so we're saying that andrew might be hidden away too <laughs> but uh oh it's 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 actually it's actually very it's fascinating and it's kind of um grotesque in its fascination, the Prince Andrew yeah. thing, but also it's sort of actually quite disturbing and sad, really. Um, For me, is the image of entitlement. Yes, and it makes me sick. Yeah, it's sickening, isn't it? He Just is the guy thinks and acts as if he was above the law, and considering what is involved with well what, allegedly what he's involved yeah in, allegedly we, we don't know i mean nothing's happening like it's just like riding his horse in windsor whatever i don't know and i mean but maybe you should develop the story about it because maybe yeah, it's obscure yeah, exactly. for yeah. most of people the... probably don't know what we're talking about yeah, exactly. so this relates to jeffrey epstein or jeffrey epstein however you want to say it mm. so i guess most people will know about jeffrey epstein a lot of people will know about Jeffrey Epstein because people, you know, there's a theory that um, he was he was assassinated. But Jeffrey Epstein, so he was actually convicted. I don't remember when. Mm. Jeffrey Epstein was an American guy, a member of high society in the working United, in finance, working in mm. finance. But then he kind of um, yes, he, he made all his contacts working in finance. He was in the elite high society in America, brushing shoulders with uh, various high-level people, including Prince Andrew, <laughs> Prince Andrew, Donald Trump, the Clintons, yeah, yeah, and yeah. numerous other um, people. And he was convicted, so he was found guilty of criminal offences. Oh, we've got to get this right. Um, 
Epstein conviction. All right. First criminal case, second criminal case, legal proceedings. Let's see. Basically, I I, I believe that the criminal proceedings are. There's a lot of information here on on Wikipedia, but essentially he was um, found guilty of. I guess it was trafficking of. Was it underage? Yeah, girls? underage girls. He was forced, apparently, allegedly, but I think he was convicted, so it's not really allegedly. He used to present young girls to his rich friends and forced them to have sex with them. Yeah. So when we say trafficking, we don't just mean, you know, um, giving people, a, giving girls a plane ticket, but he was essentially taking them against their will and making them work as sex workers. Mm. And I think the allegation also is that he, um, that a lot of these girls were underage, that they were less than the age, under mm. the age of sexual mm. consent. So this is, you know, I mean, how, how should we put this? Pedophilia and uh, forcible prostitution, mm. uh, dark stuff and really, really wrong stuff, obviously. I mean, I don't even need to say mm. that, but, you know, still. And so... One of the people who has was connected or named as someone involved in this uh, activity was Prince Andrew. Mm. And the allegation was, and one of the girls, that's it. It's, it's girls yeah. who are coming forward and giving evidence and saying, making claims and stuff. One of the girls, uh, I don't remember her name, unfortunately. I think it's Virginia Dufry, or I don't know how you call. Should we name her? Would that... Well, it's in the newspaper. It's not as if we were... No, I mean, would it be respectful or disrespectful to name her? I don't know. Anyway, Virginia Roberts Jufri. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. There was a picture of her at a party, I think, in in a London mansion when she was maybe 16, close to Prince Andrew. Well, he's he's, in the picture. He has his arm... He appears to have his arm around her waist. Exactly. And... She said that she was forced to have sex with him at several occasions at this party and other in another time uh, in the US and yeah and she described moments when mm. you know he had sex with her and stuff like that. So on one hand, if that's true, that's a scandal because he's basically having sex with prostitutes. But it's also true underage potentially yeah. underage. Um, either with her and with maybe other girls that have not come forward, and that he also was associating with someone who was trafficking underage girls, whether he knew about it or not. But according to report, you know, according to descriptions of these mansions, there were lots of girls knocking around, mm. and it must have been absolutely obvious. Yeah. So Andrew being caught up in these allegations, instead of making a statement, distancing himself. Oh, yeah, also, he was photographed. So he oh, went... leaving... Uh, went, yeah. yeah, when Jeffrey Epstein was, was arrested again, or he was going to yeah. be arrested again yeah. uh, on new charges, uh, Andrew travelled to New York, <laughs> and this is what Andrew says. He travelled, he was photographed talking to Epstein in Central Park. Yeah. Andrew said, I went to New York to meet him and stay with him for like three days in order to tell him I didn't want to associate with him anymore. 
Okay, couldn't you do that over the telephone? Could you not do it by email? You had to go and stay with him in his mansion to no, say... let's party one more time and then we're not friends anymore. Maybe. But there's photographs of him walking around Central Park with Jeffrey Epstein deep in conversation. I wonder what he was saying. Plus the guy says, oh yeah, I stayed at this place because it was convenient. I mean, it's New York. Yeah. The guy is loaded. He can go to any places, so, so any hotel, and he decides to go to Jeffrey Epstein's place when he knows the guy was convicted and is about to be uh, charges are about to be pressed against him again. I mean, we're we're jumping the gun a little bit. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to explain the the context mm. here. So yes, um, Jeffrey Epstein gets. Um, charged again with new uh, offences uh, of the same type and Andrew is is uh, associated uh, this time and there are you know all sorts of allegations flying around about Prince Andrew so what does he do well he he organizes himself i think without the consent of the queen and without the agreement of buckingham palace or, or, you know, the, the top-level uh, people at the palace. He organises an exclusive interview with Emily Maitlis at uh, the BBC on Newsnight, which is the BBC's flagship serious news discussion programme, for a full-length one-hour, I guess, one-hour interview in order to talk about it. And the interview is a total car crash which is an expression, you know, like a, a bad moment in TV. So Andrew is there attempting to brush off the allegations and give excuses and explain that he had nothing to do with any of this stuff, that he was only a casual acquaintance of Jeffrey Epstein's really, and that he had no idea that any of these crimes were, were going on and that he he absolutely categorically denies that he had anything to do with uh, the girl who's made these statements. And yet, and so this is where we talk about entitlement. Because, I mean, I don't know what we can say, really, whether it, it, it he doesn't do a very good job, let's <laughs> That's say. That's the least he, we can he say. He does an extremely bad job of convincing everyone uh, that he's telling the truth in the interview. Let's say that. That he appears... He, he appears to be a liar. He, he appears to be lying his t uh, through his teeth the entire time. And this is where the entitlement thing comes in, that he believes that he can go on TV mm. and lie so badly or appear to lie so badly but and, get, and just get away. So, exactly. Yeah, the, the, the subtext, it felt <laughs> to me, of the mm. entire interview is like, look, you know, uh, I'm Prince Andrew, so uh, exactly. you know. I think that uh, that's all you need to know, right? You know, don't forget, I'm Prince Andrew. Despicable. But but the some of the things he says in the interview <laughs> are incredible. So one of the things I'm talking too much here, but one of the things is that um, the girl um, uh, described him as being incredibly sweaty because they danced at a party, and she found him disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. They danced at a party. He was sweating profusely. And when when he was in bed with her, on top of her, he was sweating profusely as well. Isn't that... Oh, not, you got the details. Is that, is, that not, <laughs> is that not one of the things that was said? Maybe I'm wrong about that. <laughs> I thought they just danced and she Should referred I, to that. But okay, can fine. I, can I say that? Am I allowed? Do you think I can say <laughs> I that? No, I wasn't there. Maybe I'm mistaken about that one. But I, you I, fantasized. But maybe I made that up. 
I fantasized that bit. I don't know. But anyway, she described him as being very sweaty and disgusting. And, in, and, and you know, I think uh, the interviewer in, on the BBC interview said, and what about these allegations of you being, uh, you know, very sweaty? And then and his response is, well, you know, that can't, the, the sweating thing, that can't be true because, and he said, because during the Falklands War, because he did serve during the Falklands War. We didn't talk about Margaret. Not, Thatcher not, at no, all not and the amazing performance of Julian Anderson amazing ish mm. amazing ish but um so uh, uh, Andrew's excuse how well that couldn't be me because <laughs> I was in Falklands and I got shot at during the Falklands war and because I suffered um like a, a it was so traumatic that I had a what is it a sur- an adrenaline surge and that meant that I, I wasn't able to sweat anymore for 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 mm. a period after after it. So wait a minute, what? Because you got <laughs> shot at in uh, the Falklands conflict, you had an adrenaline surge, which meant that your body was unable to sweat. <laughs> and so yes, you know, I just I had like a glandular issue, which meant I couldn't sweat during that period. So that that's can't that can't be me. So um, you know, should we just call it a day? Like wait a minute. That's such a weird excuse. Like That's I was unable excuse. to sweat. So. Maybe it's medically possible. Maybe. But that was a bit weird. Maybe. But when the Pizza Express excuse as well. Yeah. You know, I know exactly that I was in a Pizza Express with one of my daughter in where? Woke, in, woking. Woking. I don't even know where that is, but in Woking. Mm-hmm. So I can't be where you tell me I was with this girl because I was with my daughter in Woking. And the journalist said... How do you remember that you were in walking in Pizza Express at this exact time? Well, I'm Prince Andrew, as if I was going to Pizza Express every day, you know? Like, the way he replies is sufficient. Do you say sufficient? Um, He's um, above himself. Not sufficient. Not sufficient. In French, we say suffisant. You know, he's... Arrogant. Um, Yeah, very arrogant. up, Up himself. Like... I'm Prince Andrew. I don't often go to pizza. Yeah, you know. yeah. Like, like what he should have done in that interview. He's right at the beginning. He should have said. He bad. should have said, "Look, can I just say that I deeply regret any association mm-hmm. I've had with Jeffrey Epstein. That I find that the crimes he's been found guilty of and the allegations against him mm. are deeply, deeply unsettling. And I, I, and I'm very disturbed by all of it. And I'm extremely dismayed and shocked." And I also want to express my greatest sympathies and concerns to all the girls who've been affected by this. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible and awful what has happened. He didn't do that. He had no word for the victim or alleged victim. There was no... Not at I mean, all. it was a PR disaster. He did not express one little shred of sympathy for any of the yeah. victims. In fact, he downplayed all of it. Oh, you know, so, you know I'm Prince Andrew and I was in Pizza Express. Mm. So blah, blah, blah. So unconvincing. Uh, the body language. We watched body language. Yeah. First, yeah. just the interview in itself is shocking. But then when you watch an analysis, 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 Analy- analysis, analysis yeah. uh, by a coach, um, body language, body coach. language coach. Yeah. It's even more shocking. Yeah. Because you see things w- you can't see if you don't know. But when the guy say yes and his mind says no, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's I think everybody should watch uh, this video or these videos of analysis of this interview because that's horribly shocking. I really would like to <laughs> do a full episode 
doing of of the interview, um, doing each little bit and describing his his answers and looking at. Uh, his body language and all of that. I th- I just find it so fascinating. It is. Um, that he is... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird as well. Yeah. Like his excuses. And yeah, that's the thing. Like he's it's like, so, um, you know, Prince Andrew, you say that you were, you were uh, not at this location when um, this witness says that you were there, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I was, I know exactly where I was. I was in P- Pizza Express with my, uh, with one of my daughters. It was, uh, I was at a party in Pizza Express and, and that was that. And, and she's like, how do you remember exactly where you were? And his response is, well, you know, look, I'm Prince Andrew and, uh, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary for me to go to Peter Express. And so basically he's saying, look, when I, when I mix with ordinary people, I fucking remember it, darling. Okay. Cause you know, that's, it was so shocking to be in this grotty little shithole that I, I will, you know, I remember it, uh, like it was yesterday, you know, like he, a, he didn't convince anyone no. that, that he was innocent. B, he made himself look like an, an, uh, a privileged, entitled um, uh, weirdo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the truth that was, that was yes. shining through that yeah. interview. It's like, I am so privileged and so entitled and I don't care. And I think that I can get away with this. That seemed to be what, I mean, I don't know what connection he has uh, with Epstein. Either he was involved or he, he didn't know, but he should have known. Weirdly, or, or Epstein he, got killed in his cell. Epstein got killed? <laughs> well, they say that he committed suicide. Well, there are some dodgy parts. I favor the... <laughs> when you said Epstein got killed, that was a grammatical mistake, right? You meant Epstein died. Because you can't, you can't say... Well, can you say that he, killed, that he was killed? It's one of the theories. It's one of the theories. And I favor the theory because... Weirdly, he was on the watch, you know, because he was kind of a VIP guest in the prison. You know, like he was in the ultra protected person sector in the prison and he was on the watch because he was so under fire with this case and he was high profile that every hour... Um, they were checking in his cell and, and everything, and to, to, to make sure that no to one, make sure no, no one, one attack him or he doesn't harm himself. Right. And I don't remember the details because I didn't know we were talking about that, so I didn't um, think about it. Uh, think about it. But I think there is mistakes in the report. He wasn't like watched for a period of few hours or something. Weirdly enough. There's a little I mean, gap. The, yeah. There all sorts of very very suspicious. Very things. very suspicious, and considering he was mingled with high-profile people like the Clintons and everything and Prince Andrews and... And, and, and probably others probably that we don't other know. who were not, like, revealed in the press. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. And you know what's happening now? Uh, is partner in crime. Giselle... Uh, Gillen Maxwell, G- yeah, uh, Gillen. who got arrested a few months ago. I was reading yesterday that... Um, she can't sleep every 15 minutes. They check on her and everything because they're scared the same thing's going to happen. And because she's a key witness and possibly like involved in what happened because apparently she, she's accused of, uh, trafficking the girls. She was helping yeah. him trafficking the girls and 
So, so it's the, very dodgy story. The suggestion is that with the Jeffrey Epstein thing is that, uh, mm. well, the official narrative is that he committed suicide, uh, but that lots of people believe that he was probably killed by, by mm. someone, assassinated by someone, and that maybe even the security guards in the prison were in on, on the job, and it probably comes from a very high authority, but we don't know. Yeah, uh, because know. these kind of people, let's face it, they don't want to fall alone, you know? Because there were too many charges against him and evidence. So he would have been convicted, probably. And so he wouldn't have been convicted on his own. He would have given names and maybe he would have cut a deal to have a better, you know, like a sentence. A better... um, Yeah. um, Yeah, a reduced sentence or something. If he was given like the names of his... Yeah, basically... It was easier to kill him. In the mafia movies, you know, like the Martin <laughs> Scorsese movies, um, when a high-profile mafia guy is arrested, what does he do? Uh, he might... Um, you might rat on all mm. the other mafia guys in order to avoid prison or mm-hmm. avoid whatever. And, you know, like in Goodfellas, Henry Hill rats all of the other mafia guys out. And uh, he then is released in the witness protection program and stuff like that. So essentially, yeah, maybe Jeffrey Epstein, maybe they got him to prevent him from telling everyone that, you know, exactly. Or or maybe Epstein felt, I don't know, maybe he did kill himself. Maybe he thought, oh, my God, um, uh, I'm, 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 I'm fucked now. Like, uh, how am I going to escape this? And he knew there was no way out. And that he didn't necessarily, maybe he didn't want everyone to get get caught. He didn't necessarily want to bring the whole sh- whole thing down. Maybe, maybe he, mm. uh, I don't know. I mean, he showed no sense of um, responsibility for others mm. in his life. But maybe he did have some sense of responsibility for his friends. And I, I don't know. I, I'm just mm. thinking about all the different possibilities. Okay. Maybe he did kill himself. Maybe he got he got um, whacked. Um, I don't know. But anyway, the Prince Andrew thing. I don't know if I should do an episode about about that interview. I don't know if it's if it would be a good idea. Like, if you do it, I think you should do it with a coach. Maybe the coach who did this video we watched. Yeah, because the guy is very interesting, and it would be. Very, I think. I find it fascinating. The thing you can't see when you speak to people, but if you re-see the interview, you know, when we saw it with Andrew, because I first saw footage of the interview and I said, okay, his answers are so weird. But then when I got the analysis, wow, it brings the interview to another level. Yeah, that's right. So you should do that. Yes, okay. Anyway, I mean... We, I don't mean to sort of, what's the word, um, uh, sour the conversation by bringing that up, because we were talking about the royal family and stuff, and this is this is this is quite dark, isn't it? Really, the Prince Andrew mm. like episode. Mm. Um, but um, going back to the Crown and stuff like that, I haven't seen the last episode. You have. Maybe um, maybe there's time before we go to bed just to, to Can watch Can I that. say something? Yes. We yes, criticize- you're, allowed, you're allowed to say <laughs> your permission to speak. Thank you. Um, no, we criticize or I criticize the monarchy, but because it's an interesting topic with pro and cons, but I found the queen admirable. 
Yeah. I mean, she, it's been what, 60 years now? 65 years? Uh, she's um, the head of state and uh, she embodies the crown. Yeah. And she went through, wow, so many events, historical events. She adapted, uh, she evolved with the society mm-hmm. and she never ever got out of the way. She pursued the, the, the goal of her life, which is protecting and embodying the crown. Yeah. And for that, okay, she, she can be maybe like a bad mother or whatever. She's very admirable for that. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it must be said that as, I mean, you know, there are arguments on both sides for and against the whole system. Okay, we, we take those things into account. But let's just talk about the Queen and like take stock of what she's done. Uh, that Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. Mm. And, um, and m- she's maybe, 90 plus and she still works. Yeah. You know, she, she just spent a life working. So when I say, oh, they don't do much and everything, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. just because in the crown, we see them hunting, eating, partying, complaining, watching telly. <laughs> To be but, honest, the crown the crown is is a bit problematic because mm. they are they, they are playing to the crowd to an extent. Yes. They are being a bit like the Daily Mail, and they're inviting mm. us to to hate mm. a little bit. They're inviting mm. us to go look at these people sitting <laughs> around doing nothing. The the that's yeah. not the full story. No, 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 that's not the full story. Actually, Anne is the most uh, hardworking uh, royal apparently in the family. Yeah. Um, the number of events they go to, sometimes several days and everything for charities and for... Mm-hmm. So, no, I think they do a lot. Yeah. Um, if I had to just conclude um, on the royal family and on the queen, I think that's actually admirable because they don't really have the choice and they embrace it um, and it's imposed to them. So we can say in... One way, yeah, they're privileged, but at the same time, it comes with a cost for them. Mm-hmm. And the queen, she's absolutely admirable. 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 Yeah, not admirable. Okay. Admirable. <laughs> <laughs> totally stole your thunder there by doing that. <laughs> and at the same time, I totally understand like Harry's decision to just want to protect his family life and yeah. having another type of life. Because yeah. to be honest... Okay, it's great to have like beautiful dresses and being invited everywhere and just not worrying about money. But at the end of the day, it doesn't look that fun. So No, Harry and Meghan should be allowed to do what they want. So what if people find them annoying, if it looks like they're virtue signaling and all that stuff? You know, who cares? Let them let them do what they want. Stop, stop. And I think that the coverage they have is really unfair. Yeah. Why, why is it necessary yeah. to be so cruel so to them? Cruel. Just leave, really them al- cruel. leave them alone. Just let them live their lives. Sure, if they've signed a Netflix deal and they're, they're trying to do good things, mm. let them do good things. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Um, but going back to the Queen again, yeah, I mean, she has been absolutely unbelievable. And it's weird to bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Um, when the Queen finally does die, which she will do, because despite the fact that uh, we want uh, to live for a long time, (laughs) long live the Queen, despite that, um, when it does happen, it's going to be a stunning sort of 
moment in in history so obviously for the uk but i think the world as well will recognize it london bridge operation operation london bridge is the code name (laughs) for everything that will be done when the queen does die there's actually a code name for it and there's already a sequence of events that's been planned Um, but the country the uk Mm. will stop for 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 a day and potentially to uh, several weeks it will it's grind to the, a halt. It's going to be the end of an era. Yeah. But worldwide, I think. When I say the country will stop, I don't mean it will be the end of the UK. What I mean mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. no one will do anything, certainly for a day or two. People, I mean, I, I, let, let me just, um, let me open this, let me open this link here, which is a, an article from The Independent uh, about what will happen when the Queen uh, dies. Okay, I don't mean to be morbid, but it's just... I guess, a way for us to consider how significant she is. So this is the Independence article. What will happen when the Queen dies? The operation is known as London Bridge is Down. So the day that Queen Elizabeth II dies will elicit a series of carefully constructed plans that have been in place since the 1960s in an operation dubbed London Bridge is Down. So what will happen when the Queen when the Queen's reign comes to an end, and how will the UK mourn the loss of its longest-standing monarch? Here's what we know so far. How will we find out? Well, the Prime Minister will be informed of the news ahead of its public release via the Queen's private secretary. He will then inform the 15 countries and 36 Commonwealth nations where the Queen is head of state. Historically, the BBC has always already been told about the royal uh, about royal deaths ahead of other media outlets. But apparently, these days, the press association will will find out about it first, and then they'll tell give the news to everyone else. If the Queen's death is expected, bloody bloody blah. Okay, actually, news stations, so newsrooms at the BBC and ITV and stuff, apparently they have uh, clothes ready, appropriate clothing ready, like a black tie. The newsreaders must give the news dressed in the sombre appropriate clothing so they would need to wear a black tie when the queen mother died peter sissons a bbc news reader announced the death and he was wearing a red tie and he was like heavily criticized <laughs> for it probably lots of older people were like you know i found it absolutely shocking that peter sissons mm-hmm. announced the death of the you know the royal uh, whatever but um so they they're all prepared in that way um obituaries documentaries have already been prepared in advance <laughs> they like bbc will have already got Video, a video sequence mm. that they could um, put on the news. Well, there is so many things. I mean, so, 60 years, you have yeah. to get prepared. She, in a sense, as a figurehead, she does represent mm. all of this this time. And it's yeah. it's been a, a... She's the only one. Yeah, it's been an incredible yeah. age in modern Britain, 1952 until today. That covers so many different moments and um, events and changes Mm. and she has been the head of state throughout all of that and she represents all those things so it will absolutely be the end of an era and do you know she speaks french perfectly yes i did know that yeah yeah well done well she did have the highest level of education um but other things like i just wanted to say uh other things like for example uh on the day that it happens um people will just be sent home from work It'll basically be like, okay, go home. You can't do any work. Go, Everyone go home. Uh, there will be a 12-day uh, mourning period oh, wow. during which time the Queen's body will be moved to Buckingham Palace. 
if it's not there already, and preparations will be made for the state funeral, which will be led by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Flags will fly at half-mast across the country. Uh, The London Stock Exchange will close for the funeral, as will most UK banks. So the economy will just stop for the day, the day of the funeral, and the subsequent coronation of probably Charles. Those will be public holidays. Um, Last time this happened, when um, the Queen's father, George the Sixth, when he died, uh, the BBC did not show any comedy on TV for for two weeks. Oh, wow. How did you survive, you Brit? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So probably be a similar thing. Broadcasting schedules will be changed. No comedy on TV. And all sorts of other things like that. Charles will instantly become the monarch when she dies, even though he won't be crowned until okay, later. Okay, so coronation doesn't make you king. Coronation, yeah. the Prince of Wales will become king automatically mm. following the Queen's death and will address the nation on the evening of her passing. The Duchess of Cornwall b- will become Queen Camilla. Oh, so she's going to be Queen yeah, Camilla? Yeah, I didn't realise that. I you thought, told me... Uh, I thought she'd be the consort, royal... Uh, royal consort. I thought she'd be royal consort, but apparently Queen Camilla... Wow. I mean, they change the rules all Yeah, the they change the rules, I think. Just rules. Oh, they're, wow, Queen Camilla. They're made-up rules. They're just made-up, flipping <laughs> arbitrary made-up rules. Well, they're made-up to, I think, adapt, so... Yeah. Um, Charles might change his name when he becomes king, which is a thing yeah. that they do. Like they, king he, Charles? It's not a good precedent... <laughs> As we heard earlier, listeners, Charles I is the one who got his head chopped off. Uh, Charles II was the one who replaced him. Uh, and so Charles, he might change his name. I wonder what he might become. Oh. He might become, he, he could change his name to King George. He could become George VII. Um, he, he, it would be so weird. Wouldn't it? Because we've known him, you know. For decades. Yeah, for decades, like Charles, Prince Charles. And suddenly so he's going to be King George, schizophrenia. Decades. He's and around de- the yeah. corner. That's right. Um, what about Elizabeth? She didn't change her name. No, she didn't. Because she was a Princess Elizabeth and she became Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth Regina. I wonder if he will be so. if he will stick with Charles. He so might. it's not compulsory to change. No, but they just do it sometimes. He. But uh, why? Uh, he may choose to change his name upon ascending to the throne, as royals can choose any one of their given names. Oh, so he's got. Ah, so it is. Um, mm. He's got middle names. So mm. this means he could be known as King Arthur. Yeah, <laughs> oh, Arthur. That would be amazing if he was King Arthur, because <laughs> King, King Arthur is a legendary, yeah. um, mythical king <laughs> uh, who had a magic sword and stuff like that. Um, he could be King Philip or King George. Um, Maybe or- he'll take Philip. Maybe for his father. I think it would be weird. I think it, I think, as you say, because he's been known as Charles for all this time. Yeah. But Charles, they say, is an unlucky name for a king uh. in 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 terms of history. But um, Charles the Third, maybe, and his coronation will take place a few months after the Queen's funeral. I guess that's just when it becomes public, and you know, it's 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 like a huge, a big public. Um, uh, display of hey he's the king now everyone but he technically he becomes king as soon as uh, the queen dies um, it's really real tv this royal family it's real tv but it's I also like it. surreal tv isn't yeah. it it's, it's weird i really like it looking at the story developing in front of us it's fascinating yeah it is fascinating well um that's been interesting Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us rambling on. 
Which there is something. Mm-hmm. Maybe your listeners will have a point of view on that. How come you have several like royal families in the world? Why this one? Why is this one is so unique? I, um, you see, why this one attracts so much attention? Do you think it was like that um, before uh, Victor- Queen Victoria? Do you think it was like that before Brit- no the British Empire? It must be because of the British Empire, surely. Because, in a sense, like British, the British monarchy has been exported around the world. It's not just really? in terms of the Commonwealth, but just because of the days when the British Empire was in line with sort of modernity and globalization. Those things have gone went hand in hand with British um, colonialism. And so the British royal family was the first international royal mm. family. Yeah, but you have like uh, the king of Spain or yeah. in Belgium, in Denmark. Spain is kind of a high profile, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but still, you can't compare. I don't know. Oh, you have Monaco a bit, like on Monaco. But there are other know? royal families, Albert, but, like mm. Sweden, no? They've, they've got royalty, haven't they? But, um, but yeah, it's you're, not the same. It's not the same scope. When you say the royal family, yeah. the queen, you know you refer to. Yes, it's interesting. It's interesting the reasons why. Um, hmm. Well, it's certainly fascinating stuff. Right, I'm going to watch the final episode <laughs> of season four before going to bed. Do you want to watch it with me? Maybe. Or, or is it sleepy time now? <laughs> Might it's a good one. Saturday night. Yeah. Woo! Party, party. time. Yeah, <laughs> party time in lockdown. No? So. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me on the podcast again. How do you feel about uh, the episode? Well, I don't know. I wasn't fully prepared. So I don't know. Maybe it wasn't logical and in order, but we'll see. I think it was typically meandering and rambling, but that's normal for this podcast. Well, I hope I didn't make too many mistakes. I don't know. I think, uh, and I hope my French accent isn't too strong for your listeners. There's always one, isn't there? There's <laughs> always one person. You, are you sure? Her French accent is so strong. Oh, get out! Get a life. Yeah, that was a little uh, reminder. <laughs> just that I read the comments and I know what to say. <laughs> just bear in mind, listeners, if you if you suddenly feel compelled to jump into the comments section, most of you are like, "This is fine." Oh yeah. But there's oh. always one person. If that if you are that one person who feels compelled to jump in and say some nah. comment about how my wife's uh, English is not <laughs> is not equivalent to that of the Queen, then just think twice, okay? Because that's my wife you're talking about there. Yeah. Well, to be honest. My English is better than your French, so that's totally fine. Yeah. I can cope with one or two comments, and most of the comments that you said are absolutely lovely, so that's fine. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, well, that's uh, that's 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 enough that we've got time for. Thank you for your lovely contribution. As Thank always. you. So there you are. That is our very long conversation about the crown. There's nothing more for me to add here, really, except these things. So questions. What do you think about all of this? I mean, about the royal family and all that stuff. Do you feel sympathy for the individual members of the family? Have you seen the crown? What do you think of it? Also, we didn't talk much about Margaret Thatcher, played in this series by Gillian Anderson, who first became known 
for playing Scully in the X-Files. We're fans of Gillian Anderson, and my wife thinks her performance in the show was great. I'm not so sure. I kind of partially agree with her. I think she... Anyway, I can't talk about it too much more now because I don't want the episode to go on forever. Um, Basically, we couldn't cover everything in this conversation. And although we wanted to talk more about Thatcher and Gillian Anderson, we just didn't have time. And finally, what do you think? Should I do an episode all about the Prince Andrew interview on the BBC? The uh, infamous Prince Andrew interview. Should I do an episode about that? Let me know what you think. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. A couple of reminders. Premium Lepsters, check out the app and the website for the latest premium episodes. And if you'd like to sign up, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Wispolep, that's why I should be on Luke's English podcast, the competition. I will be revealing the results and talking about what happens next in a forthcoming episode soon. Okay, so hold tight, hold your horses and um, watch this space for all of the details about that. Okay, right. So I will speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, this is the end of this super long episode. Okay, and all that is left for me to say is goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.